Welcome to our Likut Sikha's project, Sikha, on Parsha's Kiseitse, and we are, of course, doing Sikha 2. The Sikha this week focuses on the Pasuk in our Parsha. In uh, Parachav Beis, Pasuk Ches, you can see on the source sheet I put in front of you, Kisivna Beis Chadash, when you build a new house, you need to make a guardrail, I call it a parapet for your roof. So you should not put any blood in your house. In other words, you should not be guilty of anybody hurting themselves. And as the puzzle continues, lest the faller falls. That's literally what this means. Now, when you look at the English translation, when we normally see this puzzle and just translate it, you build a new house, you make a parapet for your roof, so you don't think blood guilt on your house if anyone should fall, right? It sounds very straightforward. But when you look at the Hebrew, there's a couple of very nuanced words in this Pasuk that we want to explore tonight. So we are going to first start off with the question about these first few words, when you build a new home. Because it says, you build a new home, you have to build a guardrail. So, of course, we have an obvious question with that. What happens if you haven't built a home? What if you move into a home? Um, so let us see um, the sicha itself, and we'll come back to these sources as we go along. <clears throat> so starting from the beginning, sicha alif, then their mitzvah for Maka is up the Pasuk. So this particular mitzvah of putting a guardrail on your roof, the Pasuk says, as we just saw, you build a new home, you must put this guardrail on the roof. Isn't it move on? It's not understood. Why does it say a new home? Their din is dach. You know, the actual halacha is, ultimately, this pasuk, there's a discussion on this pasuk about when it's actually, when you're actually obligated to have this. And it's not just, the, the, the conclusion is that it's not just when you build a new home, but it's also, if you buy any home, it can be an old home. And it's not just when you build it, but when you move into a home, when it's innocent, and that's what the Medrash focuses on in Sifri state. In Sifri, and that's the Medrash, Sifri, so we can see right here, Chadash, because they wonder about that word Chadash. And what does Sifri say? Rabbi Aimer, Misha Chidushai Asalamaka. So from the time of its newness, as soon as it's new for you, so that means a new house that you even move into. And that's how the Rebbe continues. From the time that you make it new for you, that's when you have to put a guardrail. In fact, it's not just when you move into the home, as I be a mezuzah, we know that when you move into a new house, you have to put a mezuzah on the door. When are you obligated to put the mezuzah in? It's actually when you move in. You can act back live in a place for up to 30 days before you put the mezuzah up. But with a maka, no, it's glach with a bite for as soon as it's built. And also, as we saw in the message, as soon as it's new for the person, you have to you have to uh, have make sure there's a guardrail up there. The Lashana Kasu is over not alt However, the pasuk, the, the way the pasuk is saying it is still, it's not clear. It's not so easy to just say that because the balder uftuk funs frey is as the chiyuf hamaka kum bavim mevetti baalim from shtub comes out from the medrash that your obligation to build this guardrail on your house is as soon as you become the owner of the house. Nor farn on rainclouds even before you move into the home. So then the question comes back, if that's actually what the halacha is, that as soon as you own this home, you need to make sure that there is a guardrail, that nobody gets hurt in your property. 
kidnapped by Adam. Then what is it that the Torah hints to this by using the words when you build a new home? Right? Why does it stress that it's a new home? If in fact it, it, it's any home, so why is that Lushen used? Because when it says new home, is not by So because the Torah is saying new home, so you immediately think that the obligation is only when you build that new home. Why couldn't the Torah have just used some word that would have made it very clear without having to figure it out that this obligation to build a guardrail on your roof is an obligation that is on every person, on every single home, as soon as a person becomes the owner of that home? So that's our first question. Why is it a distress of a new home? Now we have another question. We look again carefully at this puzzle. When we talk about the build of building this home and putting the, the guardrail, okay? the second half of the puzzle then says, You should not have blood literally on your hands in your house. You should not be responsible. Now, the word literally means less the faller fall. Okay, So the yipol is the verb and the nofel, that's the noun. So we're saying less the person who, the person who's going to fall falls. Now, why would the Torah say it that way is our next question, right? It would make easier to have just said, ki adam, right? If a person falls off the roof, what does this part mean? And this is our key second question. It seems that the Pasuk is giving us in the second half of the Pasuk the reason. Lest the faller fall. If we don't understand, the Pasuk seems to be telling us to do something that's preventative, right? Build this guardrail lest someone fall. So why is the Pasuk already calling him a person who fell? The fallen one, lest the fallen one fall. It hasn't happened yet. Now, the Gemara them. Now, the Gemara addresses this because it's a very clear question. That this person who fell off the roof who would fall off your roof had you not have a guardrail, that person, if that should happen, then that person was designated to fall and die from the time of creation of the world. It's just that Hashem has a plan for everybody. And that plan makes a decision, as Pirkei Eliezer, the Metra says, that and well, let's have a look at that. This idea <clears throat> that coming over here <clears throat> that from the time Hashem, I'm sorry, not Pikidari um, it's in the Gemara and it's quoted in Rashi. And Rabbeinu Bakhti actually explained this at length. And I just added that to my source sheet here so we can have a look and see the clarity of this Gemara. When it talks about the idea that if the faller falls, he was worthy. Right? It shouldn't be at your hand. In other words, what are we saying? And you can see here um, in this Rabbeinu uh, on, on this Pasuk, that the measures, what is it trying to tell us? That all creatures, Everybody, call Nivrain Kula Nivru Bechavtan Ritzainam Bakash Barcho Haidiam, Bereshis Habriva, call Inyanehem Kulam, Bechal Hamikrim Hasidim Lavayalam. So when the world was created, Hashem already designated exactly what was going to happen to each person and what, how they were going to live, right? As you can see and here in the translation, the number of years they're going to live what the manner of their death is going to be. This is already designated before. They're informed that they'll have an easy livelihood, they'll have to fight and suffer to make a living, 
Hashem tells them the soul. In other words, if they will be dependent on handouts or be able to make a living by their own skills. So this is all designated before. Yet what? We know there's this concept that good things happen through good people, through meritorious people, and not good things happen through people who are lacking in some way. So in other words, Hashem has many messengers to get done what he needs done. But something that's negative, we don't need to be that messenger. And that's the key point that is said in the Gemara about this idea that merits come through people who are meritorious and not so good things happen to people who, who are lacking, who have some sort of, you know, who are high for something. Um, <clears throat> so the point here then becomes the answer brings Rashi with Alatara. And that answer, of course, is, uh, is, of course, that answer is actually what Rashi says as well. You notice here in the Rashi, he nightfall. Rashi says that because, again, Ben Hamish the Mikra would clearly see this problem. This person was worthy, was destined, destined to fall. Okay. Bad things happen through the agency of people who are guilty and good things with people who are meritorious. And that's actually how Rashi answers it. Okay, so you see the Gemara, the Rashi, it's, that's how it's explained. And this is, again, the way the Pshat would read. is a But when you look at the Pshat of the Pasuk, even though we say, okay, Rashi's trying to answer that Pshat, that, that's why it says, the fallen one has fallen, but still based on Pshat, it's still a problem because according to the Pshat, it seems to be saying, build this guardrail, lest a person fall off. So still the Neufel is Perushai Nit Mamish. According to the literal meaning and that straightforward meaning of the Pshat, Neufel doesn't mean someone who's worthy of falling. It literally means someone who right now is falling. It's a description of the person. He is literally falling now. So again, we come back to the question, what does it mean you should build this guardrail for the person so that the person who's falling doesn't fall? Seed base. And this is a very interesting message. As their tavas the Ivishtar Hot Bashavan be dealt in an Ifin, as the Ruch Tsvina is need for ended Kvarn. So we find that in this Medrash, it talks about how Shem created the world and the different sides of the world and what comes from each side. So let's just have a look again at this Medrash here. So it talks about that there are four quarters in the world the quarter facing the east, facing south, facing west, and facing north. From the east, we have light. And we know the idea that the base of Mikdash uh, was we, we, in the east in Eretz Israel, and the idea that the sun rises in the east. From the south, we get the dew of blessing and rains. From the west, the treasures of snow and treasures of hail. And we have cold and heat and rains. From the facing north, we get darkness. Now, this part, and this is the part that we're quoting here. Hashem created the north, but he did not complete it. Why did he com didn't complete it? Let anyone come along and say that he's a god. So he parroted it, right? Think that we don't need Hashem, we're in charge. Let him come and, and finish off this quarter. That Hashem says that I left. And that everyone will know that he's a god. In other words, Hashem purposely leaves a part of the world, in a sense, unfinished to prove, in case people forget, there's a God in the world to remind us that there is Hashem is in this world. Okay, so that's um, this particular Like it says, okay. So it's like a like a porch that goes all around the home, right? We have these areas around the home, and we have all the four corners. Ruch, uh, sorry, Ruch, Sfinus, Enem, Subet. 
but the northern side is actually not enclosed. So when you have something that you have, you know, like something that's completely enclosed on all sides, but the, the north is not enclosed. It's like this veranda, but the north is open. Lest a person come along and say he's a god. Come, if you say you're a god, come and see and finish off this side. Thus, says, what does that mean? In case we should have a situation where creations feel like they make a mistake and they think, you know what, they don't need God, they're in charge. They don't need Hashem, they don't need anyone who's higher than they are. They're fully in control. So Hashem created humans in such a way as they have in their mitzias achisarn that we have some sort of a deficiency within us. That we alone cannot fix and cannot complete. And because we have this deficiency, we realize that we need to have a supernal power. We need Hashem. And it's interesting in the climate that we're living in today, this is one of the things that everyone's been saying in our last 18 months of Corona, that you know, since the Industrial Revolution, since the time when people feel like they're so clever, they're so smart, they have everything under control, you know, they're so smart, they can go to the moon. Yet, it comes along a little virus and they actually realize, and as much as they try to squash it and get ahead of it, they can't, they're not. They have to realize that human beings were not in control and there are things that are beyond us. And this is what Hashem wants us to recognize. And sometimes when we forget it, Hashem makes things happen to remind us. But in fact, this is part of life. This is how Hashem created the world. The Zalba is And in fact, the same thing happens with our, you know, that what makes us humans, human, we call our category of creation, medaber. We are ones who can speak, we can analyze and compare and contrast. We can plan for the future. We have a great seichel. Our brains are much greater than animals. But this concept is still there. G'day as a mensch, a person, a bal seichel, someone who does have intellect. In order for a person not to be able to convince himself that he is all-knowing and that he can understand everything with his own seichel, Hashem made it in our nature that we are actually in our lives very often have to rely on something that is super rational, that is beyond our understanding. And the Rebbe gives an example of dogma. For example, if you want to understand something, a certain type of intelligence, whatever it might be, whether it's in science or it's in math, very often you first have to understand general rules. I remember when I was in, in high school and we were learning geometry. And the first thing we had to do, we had to learn all, we had to learn all the theorems and all the corollaries. And we had to just know them before we ever started looking at anything else. And whether we understood them or not, it didn't make a difference. You had to grasp the formula. Maybe you didn't fully understand it with your own logic, but it didn't matter. You had to grasp that formula and be able to apply it. Was like the clone put men to Amaskana and it's through those, those principles that we have to actually just take on, even if we don't understand them, we can then use them, and then we come to some sort of a conclusion with our logic. We don't need to fully understand the actual axiom, the actual principle. I mean, there's a reason why Einstein and Newton came up with their formulas. Right? They, they were brilliant people. They gave us a formula. Whether we understand the formula or not make no difference. We just apply them. Those says, what does that mean? So we're saying that in Seichel, that within our logic, Gufa, on, there is chaser so even with our intelligence and with when we use our brain, we still, it's very quite obvious that we have, have to go sometimes beyond our own Seichel and beyond our own heads. Now, the same thing, not just in any intelligence, but also in Tyra, it works that way.
the reveal part of Tyra is that come be slapshus, bees in Havanas with Tefisa Sechel or Tefisa Sechel and Oishik. So we know that the revealed part of Tyra, we're talking about halacha and the obligations that we have, that was brought down to the level where we as human beings can understand it with our human Sechel. Okay? Because of the fact that Maishra Benu brought it down to heaven, it's a godly wisdom, but it's been brought down to the level that we with our human intellect can understand it. That even a non-Jew, someone who is not Jewish, can look into the Torah and can see certain things, can understand a number of concepts. And in order for us to remember, though, that Torah, even that revealed part of Torah, is a godly wisdom, and it's not just because we can understand so much of it, lest we think that it's all just a human um, endeavor. Unfortunately, as some people do, Hashem therefore purposely put certain inyanim in the Torah, in the Torah, and wrote it in such a way that you really cannot fully understand them unless you learn them with primisa Torah, unless you learn them with that godly wisdom. Because Pnimisa Torah, that inner aspect of Torah, is Hashem's intellect in a very revealed way. So what happens then, we under, then we realize that the Torah is really, it's only kind of dressed up in human intellect, but it's really, in essence, it's godly. It's godly intellect, it's godly wisdom, and it's really above our understanding. And of course, this principle is a very important principle. It's one of the reasons why um, the Torah, it's explained why the Torah begins with the letter Bayes and not the letter Aleph. Because the letter Bayes is a second letter of the Aleph based. And we know that when we learn Torah, where there's halacha as well, that we're not allowed to learn Torah unless we've said, we've made the brachas on the Torah before. And this idea is again to to emphasize, and that's the base, the second layer of the aleph base. That when we start learning Torah, we have to always remember there's an aleph before it. Aleph stands for alufishal Ilam, the one who is the master of the world. That there is Hashem behind this, and so the parts that we understand, we understand. But then there are parts built into the Torah purposely that we don't understand, so that we recognize always that Hashem, this is godly wisdom, and there will be parts that we don't understand, clearly don't understand. And then there will be parts that we think we understand, but in reality, we don't fully really understand it. And with Primi Satara though, we get a glimpse of what it really is talking about. Now we could then say that one of these concepts that the Torah wrote in such a way to tell us you don't fully get it. And without Primi Satara, you're not gonna fully understand it. Is this mitzvah of building a guardrail? Lloyd Beer Panini for Inyamaka. So, by learning an inner dimension of this meaning of a guardrail, the very fashtandic as bias chadash is an Indian ikri in the Taichen Panini for Maka. The Chia for Maka is verbunded with a bias chadash. So, when we learn Panini Satara, when we learn Hasidus, and we learn this mitzvah according to Hasidus, we'll understand that. The reason the Torah writes buys a chadash, a new house, is because this is a fundamental concept in the mitzvah of building a guardrail. So we said, when we look at just the simple meaning of the pasuk, it's about putting up protection, ensuring that nobody gets hurt on your property. That's a very logical law. It applies to many things. You know, we all have responsibility that anyone who comes on our property is protected. We can't do have things that are dangerous. So that's very logical, right? But then Abayi's Chadash, stressing that this is a new home, was our problem. Why only in a new home? And even though we learned that it's everything, we came back to that question, why the new home? But according to Hasidus, the reason we need this word Chadash, as we will soon see, is crucial to our understanding of the mitzvah and the deeper meaning of what this mitzvah is about. Because ultimately, according to Hasidus, we say that the entire Torah, while it is mitzvahs and things that we have to do in this world, and all the narratives about our of us are there to teach us how to live in this world. Ultimately, it's Chachmas Hashem, and it's really a mashal, the entire Torah as well. There are literal things that happened, 
and mitzvahs that we have to do, but Hashem also built within the Torah and all of its mitzvahs and all of its narratives and stories, a, an understanding of Hashem himself and the human and of the us human beings and our relationship with Hashem and how that plays itself out. And this mitzvah is going to show us the very same thing. So not only will we understand the first part of Bayez Chadash, but we will also then understand this phrase, the fallen one will fall. That somehow even before he falls off the roof, he's already categorized as a Neifel, as someone who has fallen. <clears throat> so let's get into the explanation. So give the first thing we're going to see is that there are going to be three ways of understanding this mitzvah. We've understand the shot of the mitzvah already. It just means make sure you're not guilty, right? You're, that you've done everything in your possible um, to protect people who come onto your property. But Chazal say, here's our second dimension. Chazal zagni, beisoy zu ishtay. The word home, so beisoy, his house, is an allegory. It refers to also a person's wife. Bees, we have Yaisi Gazal, and we find in the Gemara it says that Rabbi Yaisi says, Yamai Loi Karisi Ishti Ishti, I never called my wife my wife. Ella Ishti Beisi, I called my wife my home. Because without her, I did not have home. I didn't have anything. So the woman is the home. Undas is the parish Pnimi in Kizivna Bias Hadash. That's the case. If the word bias is referring to a wife and sending an as the whole, as the home, then the inner explanation of when you build a new home is there's this means the time when a person gets married, in the beginning of his life as a married person. When a person puts the millstones around his neck, which is a, um, a saying that refers to the Gashmis, he has this millstone around his neck, it refers to this concept of being like burdened by the necessity of earning a living in the physical world. Adam Chayresh, Adam Zareya, man has to plow, he has to plant. Zak Tairish, the Tairish says, So when you build a new home, you must build this guardrail. Vibalta Das is a bias Chadash, since this is a new house. It's a new Avaida that he's not used to doing. So you have to make a guardrail. It's not enough to have all the precautions that you had in the previous way you served Hashem. You have to take on new protections, put up new fences. So we have to put up new protections and fences for ourselves and our thoughts and our speech and our actions. So when a person gets married, let's think about this. Um, if we talk about a, a bachar, a boy, it's quite easy to see. We know the Rebbe many times talked about boys in yeshiva and said that the key job that they have is to sit and learn. They're in the Dalat Amos of Torah. And even though we know the Chabad, they go on the sign, the point was the Rebbe used to say to them all the time when boys were not in Seder, the most important thing during the week is to keep Seder and to be in Seder. Mm -hmm. And there was a set time for Mufzayim. And that's when you went on Mufzayim. But the main thing that a buffer had to do was to sit and learn. So when you're sitting and learning and that is your entire world, that's what you need to do. But when you get married and you start, you have a responsibility to your wife, the buffer, the man, and therefore, he has now has to go out into the big wide world out there. So the way he lived as a yeshiva bachar and the things that he was protected from because of his environment, he now is, has to ensure that when he goes out to the big wide world out there, uh, he knows how to deal with it, right? Something very contemporary. We know that many of the yeshivas for the boys, like my sons went to, when you go to yeshiva, they're not allowed to have any smartphones. They, some of them don't allow any phones whatsoever. Some say only dumb phones. But then ultimately, when they leave yeshiva and they get married and they go out, they're going to work, they often need a smartphone to do their work, to do their business. So now they, they have to have this material, this technology, but they have to know how to use it appropriately. Now, it's not just for men. It's quite obvious for the boys, but it's the same thing for the girls. I remember my mother telling me when she was a girl, when she had left school, and, to, and many of the girls who were in seminary took second jobs in the afternoon, they took on jobs in the afternoon or after they finished, before they got married, they worked 
And it's the same idea. They're going out into the world. They might be working in offices and places where they're exposed to things and talk and that, that they weren't exposed to while they were in their schools. So once we are out in the wide world, we need to, this is a new part of life, and we need to be more careful with what we do. Um, you can say the same thing. Um, a girl who's in her home is in a certain way uh, protected in some way, you could argue, if they have a good relationship with their parents, if the parents are on top of them, about what goes on, what they see, what they don't see, what they read while they're in their home. But when they set up their own home, they can do whatever they want in their own home. So they have to have their own inbuilt fences and guardrails about how they want to live. And that's why we talk about um, their time for us as far as the by their Avayda Chadasha, by Varnish for Maka, is the Pasuk Bamshach, Ki Yipol Hanai for Mimena. So why it's Dafka at this point in time that you have to make a guardrail so the Pasuk continues, lest the fallen one fall. Hey, as the Avayda is by Mench for Bunamiti Tnufun Yurida, Unufila, the Gabazan Firdikamatsav, since this really is a, a descent, this is a fall from his previous situation. When you're sitting in yeshiva, you're on that level of Tyra, and that's all you're doing all day. So we have to go out into the material world. Material world, it is in a sense a fall. So you've already fallen because you've already now instead of learning all day, you have to go out and deal with material things. So you already have fallen, and therefore, when you are in that lower level where you can just learn all day and be protected all day long from the world, you now need to ensure that since you have fallen from your previous position, you're not going to fall any further. Okay. Because in general, when you have to go out and work with the world, that's similar to the general fall, as we call it, the arita of the soul into this world. And we call that a arita. Right? And the Shama comes down, Yerita Sarhalia. It comes down to this world, but it's a fall. It's a descent. Yes, it's an order because that's the purpose of the world in order for the Neshama to reach greater heights after 120 years. Yet it's still considered an Afila, a fall. So the river is Alul, as the Gashmis are Alul, that the Ayach are up them from Zayn Madrega. So since that's already a descent, it's very possible that the Gashmis of the world will cause him to fall even further. I'm sorry, skipped the line here. And if he builds, when he builds his new home, he's not extra careful that the need nor need can not only will he not be able to do the purpose of the world, which is to go out there and elevate the material aspects of this world and make that spiritual, but the opposite will happen. The So instead of doing what we are meant to do, which is to work with the material world and elevate it, if I don't have the proper precautions in place, is the Gashmis is actually going to pull us down. And this is true for any kind of environment. We have a responsibility to elevate our place in the world and people around us, but we have to have the precautions in place so that our intention comes out, that we actually do our part to actually elevate the other and not that we get pulled down. Okay, so that's our second way of seeing this. When you build a new home, when you get married, when you go out into the world versus when you were a person in your parents' home or you know, in school or in yeshiva, now you are going out there, you gotta be careful that you can do your real purpose. Now let's come see Dalit to another way, an, an even deeper way of looking at this puzzle. The word bias can also be understood to mean the actual body, in other words, every single human being. So then in general, the bias is the body. We house our soul. And therefore, again, the avaida of our body, the avaida that we have is in general, that avaida in this world, we call to do what? To elevate, to refine our bodies and our part of the world. 
And this is the purpose of all the mitzvahs that we do in the physical world. It's not just that we draw down godliness into the world, but we also are elevating the world and elevating the objects that we use when we do a mitzvah. So that's the general, that's our whole lives. When the avayda bit ungrufen bias chadash. So why is this avayda or, or in this world, working with the world and elevating it and refining it, why is that called building a bias chadash, a new home? Well, the reason is because Aleph, first of all, it's a new house because it's a new job. It's a new job for the soul because the soul, before it came down to earth, didn't have any connection, didn't have any understanding of this sort of work. The soul is spiritual, basking in godliness. What does it know of a material world? And second of all, in this avayda that we do in this material world, we actually produce a novelty, something new. What is that novelty? As it's explained, you see here in the, in the Sharish of Mitzvah Satsila, What's the novelty in our Avaida? So we understand it by actually think, uh, understanding how this physical world was created. How did that happen? As, first of all, what happened? So we know that in general, when Hashem created the world, right? There, were, there are many levels. We've talked about Hashem. At first, Hashem is infinite. He had to actually hold himself back tremendously to create a space to allow the world to be created. And then we have a number of the spiritual worlds, right? So we know there was their klolos ha'ar shal'achriyatzimtzum is that uniform hischatus. So we know there are many levels of novelty when Hashem created the world. First of all, the general light that came after tzimtzum was in a sense a new entity. It wasn't the original infinite light of Hashem. It was this filtered, repressed light that Hashem put into the world to create a world. Right, it was, and it's it's called Adam Kadmai, Adam Debria, Yeshmi Ayin, and that is the primal man. The idea of the man of creation is that first something from nothing that Hashem had to do to start this world, and then we had Kalim Da'atzilus, Yeshmi Ayin. So then we know we have the vessels of the world of Atzilus, that first very spiritual world, very close to Hashem. And then we have the next world, the world of creation, where the light gets filtered even further. And we start having the concept of created beings. And then Yitzira, they take on form. And then we finally come to the world of Asiya, the physical world that we live in. And that's the Asiya Takban. The Asiya, there's a spiritual world of Asiya, and then the very physical material world that we live in. Nevertheless, even though even creating of the world was a novelty, was something new, and each world created a, a new level. Nevertheless, is Amitius Inyan Hachidosh Dafke in there his Avos von Almazagashmi. But the true novelty of all of it is really this physical world. Because this idea of the physical because the other worlds are still spiritual, conceptual. But when we get down to the physical world, there's nothing greater, there's nothing than this, um, that's going, um, the creation of something physical from spiritual, there's no something from nothing that's greater than that. And there's a very famous Yom Yom that says, you know, Hashem, what did Hashem do? Hashem took, and Hashem took spiritual, spirituality, and he made it physical. And what does a Jew, what do we have to do? We have to take the physical and make it spiritual. So that's, that's our job. That's the novelty of what a human being can do and the novelty of what we can only do in this world. And that's the new job of the soul that it cannot do until it comes down to this physical world. So too, it happens when we work with the material world and physical material things. Because really, physical things are relatively incomparable to spiritual things. But what comes out of our Avaida, what we do, as the Avaida to So the Avaida that we do when we work with this world, this physical world, and we make it spiritual, is that this is a real novelty. 
this doesn't even make sense. So just as great as it is when Hashem created something from nothing, that jump from spirituality to physicality was well, only something Hashem can do. He gave us this ability to also create the novelty the other way around, to take the physical and transform it and make it spiritual. And this avayda that we do is therefore hinted in the words of the Torah, you're going to build a new home. Thus is the avayda to uftan achidosh in the bayis, zeaguf. This is hinting to our avayda, our job, our mission, to create this novelty in the house, that is our bodies. And in that way, by bringing this novelty to our homes, our bodies, our physical selves, we then also build a home, a dwelling place for Hashem in this physical world. Now, just like this creates a novelty um, in the Avaida itself, it also is a, um, a novelty for the person who does the Avaida. Okay, what do we mean by that? The was in them Adam is So when we can elevate ourselves through other types of service, the elevation that we get, the growth that we have is a very relative growth. But this particular avayda, you know, we can work on ourselves in many ways and relatively, you know, grow and become better at whatever we're doing. But when we are able to elevate the physical and make it spiritual, then the person becomes elevated in this novel way, in a way that is beyond measure, can't be measured at all. More than that, the avayda not only that we're doing something tremendously novel for ourselves, but in what we do down here with transforming the physical world into something spiritual, we actually, in a sense, we are causing, accomplishing something new, novel for Hashem himself above, kaviyachal, as if, right? As if we, because again, we can do this because Hashem gave us that power, but it's as if we are actually creating something new for Kosh Baruch like our sages tell us, that everything is in the hands of heaven, except for fear of heaven. Hashem is in control of everything, except for what we do in our spiritual lives, in our relationship with Hashem, in terms of fear of God. And also, the way our sages tell us, that we're given this, um, this is the Jewish people fulfilling Hashem's will. This is a strength. We increase the strength. That when what we do, we are giving Hashem extra strength. Because it's an avayda of making Hashem a dwelling place down here. And this dwelling place for Hashem in this world is something that he cannot do without us. We're the ones who have to do that. So it's our ability, we make this a beautiful home, right? And when we know just, just like it is, and in fact, everything that we have in a human being in our lives, we are the way we are because Hashem put that in us because that reflects, in some way, it reflects Hashem. That's what we are called Adam. Now, we're, as we know in Chumash Breshis, it says that Hashem created us. Um, we've created in the image of Hashem. So this idea that we get tremendous pleasure from having a nice home and a beautiful home and an organized home, this is the dear Na'ah, the beautiful home that we are helping Hashem create for Him. And we know that when we have a very beautiful home and a settled home and a clean home and a neat home, it, it, it allows us to be clear-headed. When, if things are cluttered, it makes it difficult for us to actually understand and to sit and learn. In the same way, a beautiful home, in a sense, is this concept of Marchiv and Adam. It is actually expanding that consciousness of Adam Ha'elyon, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's as if 
from Satan Hashtalshus, when Hashem created the world, it's as if he had some sort of a limitation, a limitation, of course, that he put on himself, but a limitation. So he put upon himself this limitation of how his light, his godly light, was going to be drawn down into this world. We know that there's a godly light that can be drawn down into the world. We call that the Arvashem, that Mamalikal Almin, that is fitting with whatever object it is within. And we know that there is a light that's above the world. It can't actually be within the world. It, in a sense, surrounds the world. We call that Saiyav Kal Almin. And then we have But then you have an even greater light. We talk about the Ara Insight, the Asmus that has no relationship to this world at all. It's not our Mamala, it's not our Saiyav. It's even higher than that. But what happens? So when we do our Avaita in this world, this, this expansion, this novelty that we do with our Avaita, we are able to draw down this light of Hashem that has no connection to the world. We're able to bring that down into the world. So what happens until that light that was the, the supernal light that was there originally before Hashem started creation, before that symptom, before that contraction of Hashem's light that allowed the world to be created, that great, great light that we read about when Rashi tells us that was hidden for the future, we're able to bring that light down when we do this Avaita in this physical world. Now, what makes us the right vessel to be able to do this properly? Siva, we call into this, then, the cleat, the vessel to be able to do this novel work is to have bittel. Of course, bittel means nullification, not nullification that we're a shmata, but the idea that we are nothing without God, that we, there's no ego involved, that we are doing our work because we have this mission to do. So what we know is that in general, this is a rule for anything. When you want to grow, when you want to be elevated from one level to another, the first step that has to happen is you have to have bitul. In other words, in a sense, you have to forget everything that you learned before. I don't know if you've had their um, experience in school when you have to learn something and your teacher says, and I know I've done this with my students, I need you to come in with a fresh, like a fresh, a fresh slate. I need you to kind of forget about everything you knew before about whatever this concept is. Because very often we might learn something and we understand it on a very childish level. And when we want to be able to understand it on a higher level, we have to say, you know what? You got to kind of erase, you know, put delete, delete, delete. Forget about what you know about this from before and come with a fresh, a completely fresh outlook. So and that's how it is in general, that when we want to go to a completely new level, we have to, in a sense, forget everything that we know knew before. This is the idea of bittel. To be able to grow tremendously, you have to have this like nothing. So here's a reference in terms of um, the idea of that in Gan Eden, we know there were a number of rivers in Gan Eden. And this is um, the idea that um, in order to uh, go across a particular uh, part of Gan Eden, it could only happen through um, it was going through this, this Nahar Dinar. And uh, it's something that the Rebbe kind of says in passing here and doesn't go into a lot of, of detail, but it's based in Terror. Okay, let's continue. And then this, this whole idea becomes really that inner dimension of what we mean when we say a guardrail. In in these fences, in these precautions that we take, the maka, but each dealt by 
When we have these precautions, in other words, we approach things with the right attitude, with bittel. Zakt zich aroyis die tnoor from bittel the kabbalas all, but macht infar kli aroyit zum bayetz chadash. So when we approach all the mitzvahs and all the good things that we do, and our learning is very obvious. Usually within learning, we can see that very clearly. That when a person approaches learning, that's why we we make a bracha beforehand. Because if we come to learn Tyra, which is really the the knowledge of Hashem, Hashem's intellect and we bring our egos with it, then we will not be the right vessel to understand it properly. And as our sages teach us, that the Torah itself can be a Samhaim or a Samavis. It can be something that gives us life or God forbid the other way around, because the way the Torah is written allows for people to misunderstand it easily. So what guarantees that we will understand it properly is that that correct approach, that bittel, the sense of it's not my ego, I'm open, I want to understand Hashem. I'm accepting upon myself the yoke of heaven, the direction that Hashem is going to give me. That gives me the right vessel to be able to do this novel work of being able to learn Torah and do Hashem's mitzvahs in the way that will actually bring that shechina, that tremendous light down here, down here on earth. David, can them tam from them? And now, based on this, that this is really talking about our homes, our lives, and the maka, the bitzel, and kabbalah, all we need to have to do this novel work, we now can understand the second half of the pasuk. But there's seem a pasuk, when it says, when the pasuk in the second half of the pasuk says, and therefore you should not put this blood guilt in your home, it's not just giving us the reason why you have to do it. Because when you first look at the Pasuk, it seems that that's what it's doing. Build this guardrail. Why? So that nobody falls, so that you're not guilty. But actually, according to the Medrash, it's a tzivoy bifne atzmai. It's actually a separate command. The Ashtetan as it says again in the Medrash, that the first part of the Pasuk is actually a positive command. Build yourself this guardrail. And then that is the negative command, what you should not do. Do not be guilty of causing damage, of having a person of spilling blood. And why would we say there are two different mitzvahs, two different concepts here? Well, the inya from Maka is and And we can understand why we can say these are two separate mitzvahs, because the whole idea of this guardrail. It's not just a fence, a way of ensuring that we don't fall. Nor sees an Indian hamuchach in Uftan abayis chadash, but it's a very important element in being able to create this new home, this novel home, this new place down here on earth. By Kodesh Baruch the chiddush ve'iloi shaloi be'erech inam adam un l'malakavayachol. So to be able to create this novelty and its elevated status, this immeasurable and incomparable elevated status for man, for us, and also for our So Siv Zayn, what's our conclusion? What's the halva? What's the lesson? So practically, what does this mean for us? We need to know. We're not allowed to lock ourselves up lock ourselves away from the world. That is our mission in this world. We are not like other religions that say, you know, we have to be hide ourselves away and not have anything to do with the world. That's not what Yiddishkeit is about. We, our mission is that we have to build a home. We have to build a dwelling place for Hashem here in these lower material worlds. In them, it's not only this is something we can do, but it's something that we must do. This descent into this type of avaida with the world is where the true elevation comes. That's where the true novelty happens for ourselves, for our neshamas, and for Kharishbarak. On the other hand, we also must know. In order for us to be successful in taking the physical world and making it this vessel for spirituality, we have to have a guardrail. But thus, this means 
as they're blind to help Dalaf and Gashmis Ireland. We have to be in the world and above the world at the same time. We have to have a certain separation from the Gashmis. Yes, we are immersed in the world, we use the world, we're busy in the world. They don't hold a place in my space. In other words, they don't make a, they're not the, the main thing for me. That's not the main part of how my, my, my entire life. Remain a blind say, and that's how we can remain above. We can be in it and remain above because fundamentally we don't see that as the be all and end all of our entire lives. Why? Why does it not become the be all and end us for us? Because while our vase will feel, because we know and we also feel, as I'm gone, say his askus our entire engagement with this world is the whole reason we are here is just to make this, this world a dwelling place for Hashem. It's a means to an end, and a much loftier end. It's not a means, it's not an end in and of itself. So we don't get so dispelled by this physical world. From them is our own Yuchedes, Pardiva's great and Zirtu Tifnabais in the Zin Fun Chayim So, of course, coming back to what we said before, we understand this is a job for each one of us in our own lives. But then we also get a very special hurrah for people who are starting off their newly married life. They're about to build a new home. We see the tremendous greatness of married life. When a Jew gets married, it's not just a detail in his personal life. But a marriage, a Jewish marriage, actually affects Kadesh Baruch Hu. A Jewish marriage is a microcosm of that big macrocosm of a Kadesh Baruch Hu's relationship with this world. Because when one gets married and sets up the physical home, that is when we mainly, that's the main avoida of making a dira for Hashem in this physical world. That's where it mainly begins. Because that's when we really have to get involved in the material world. Right? You have to make a living. You have to ha have a home. You have to rent a home or buy a home, live in a place. You have to, all the things that you need to get for your home. To this life, there and that's the point that we can do, like we said before, that expansiveness of the mind of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like we said, is drawing down of this special light that cannot be drawn down into the world in any other way. On the other hand, we have to remember, as we have to actually make a guardrail. We have to put in place some sort of protection in this new home that we are going to be building. Now you would think, you'd say, wait a second, you know, we know the day of a wedding is like a Yom Kippur. They're forgiven for all their sins. You say, well, we don't have to be so, look, we start a marriage, it's really a new slate, you're forgiven for all your sins, so you don't necessarily have to be so protected. Everything you did in the past, it's like it's wiped. Zachman in, so we say to him, actually, no. Not only do you, do you have to take whoever you are from the past and bring that with you to the future and protect yourself for the future. Because number one, not only in the fact that this is something that's unfamiliar that you haven't done before, that therefore is very easy for you to fall. Like we've mentioned, it's already a descent and therefore it's very easy to fall further. Now, not remember even more, as you're making this guardrail also because of your previous 
things maybe weren't so good in the past. That can interfere with building a new home. Because as we said before, we want to be able to elevate ourselves in an, to, in an incomparably, to an incomparably higher level. So then we always say that when we are going higher, we're getting closer and closer to Hashem. Now we're in the month of Elul, this, this ring true in terms of Elul and Tshuva. We know Tshuva is not just repentance. Tshuva is coming close to Kodesh Baruch And even Tshuva as repentance, you say, why do we have to still do Tshuva? If we've done Tshuva, we've done. So now what? Why is it that, you know, um, once Yom Kippur, as soon as we finish Yom Kippur, we just say, Hashem for, for fully forgave us. And we say, Meyer, and we say, Slachan, we, we say, Hashem, please forgive us for our sins. And the answer, of course, is that it's not enough when we do tshuva on, on whatever level we were before. When we raise ourselves to an incomparably higher level, we have to do new tshuva for those things because now we have to become close to Hashem on that higher level or repent for what we did, but on a higher level because we are now on a higher level. So even though a person gets married and we say all the sins have been forgiven and he's on a, a new level, he still has to bring Everything is done in the past and elevate that to a new level as well. Deep test. And so too, this idea of that guardrail in general, in terms of our dealing with this world. You can think. Since a person says, well, according to Tara, I have to support my wife. I have to go out and work. I have this millstone around my neck. So you can say, how can Hashem expect me to be separate from the world when I'm obligated to go out and work? So we have to know what is the purpose of a marriage between a man and a woman? That they should be meritorious. And the Shechina, the divine presence, should rest between them. I mean, no, this is hinted to the idea that you have an ish and an isha. An ish, olive yud shin, isha, olive shin, hey. You have the yud, the k, Hashem's name there. Without Hashem's name, you'd get fire. But when they live appropriately in a meritorious way, the shechina rests between them. Does so bring it to them by his nesuye ish vi isha in ruchnius, zwischen idem mit dem eberstein. When a person, when a man and woman get married, and they live the way according to Torah, they bring the Shekhinah down between them, but it's not just personal, as we mentioned before, they also then bring a novelty, they bring the marriage above the spiritual marriage of Hashem and the Jewish people. And we know that that is the whole concept of marriage and many of the laws around the marriage is actually modeled on the marriage of Hashem and the Jewish people. In other words, Machtan Torah and Har Sinai. Okay, and now it's not time to go into that, but we can you know, discuss that in the future, but there are many customs of the wedding that are connected very much to the things that a lot of the customs that we do around the chuppah and the marriage are connected back to Matan Taira, to that ultimate marriage of Hashem and the Jewish people. There are two things involved in the marriage. Aleph, the Kiddushin, so the Kiddushin, when we're sanctified, when we become one, just like in a marriage, once you're married, once the, 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 the groom says, you are now sanctified, you are separated just for me. So there's that aspect that we are separated. We are, we are, we are, we um, dedicate our lives only to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Beis, thus was drove them, is Right? The idea that the word kadash literally means to be separated. The idea of being sanctified is that we're separated. We're separated for this. We're holy and therefore we're not allowed to other things. So we are now designated for a kadash barfu. And therefore that means this spiritual thing. I mean that we are now forbidden to everything else like hektish. So something that is made separated and when in the times of the base of Mikdash, someone wanted to give something to the base of Mikdash. It was designated as Kaddish, as Kedusha. It was moved out, it was separated, and then it was called Hektish. Nobody else could use it. You couldn't use it for anything else. That's the idea that that when we are now, we are designated to Hashem, and then we are, it's forbidden, everything else is forbidden to anyone else, anything else in this world, like Hektish would be forbidden to eat. 
We are therefore separated from the materialism of this world. Like we said before, is nor because our, our whole purpose here and our whole dealing with this world and our interactions with this world is only for the benefit of the owner. And who's the owner? It's being to fulfill Hashem's intention of creating that dear Bani. So let us all merit that in all the works that we actually do in the Avaidah, as the Rebbe told us many times, you know, in and Beis, this Avaidah of Biruim, of elevating this world and refining all the godly sparks that I hear to create this dwelling place for Hashem, we've done all of that. That we are, we are now ready for that future time for the Mais Mashiach, which is going to be a time when that light that we have been bringing down throughout all of our history and through all the missions that we're doing will be very, very obvious. That is the Mais Mashiach, when it will be clear to us that, that there's tremendous godly light and that we, that marriage between the Jewish people and Hashem, the fact that we are one with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, will be revealed. May we see that immediately right now. Um, thank you. Oh, it's very hard now to see that was well, what's going on. Amen. Thank it's you. Amen. But that's Hashem hiding. And what we have to do is keep strong and keep going forward because we know any moment, Mashiach can come in the blink of an eye.